This is the commercial property show, Australia. Show number 35. Suddenly all these things that we just did and didn't really worry about sitting in traffic or getting on a crowded train and traveling in, well, maybe that's not efficient. I'm happier, staff, they're getting more work done, they can get started earlier either working from home or doing a hybrid in office and work from home, taking away travel time and getting them in office working quicker. Hey everyone, how are you doing? Welcome to the Commercial Property Show Australia. I'm your host, Andrew Bean. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, in today's show, Daniel Gunning, co-founder and CEO of SpaceNow, joins me on this week's show to talk about the big problem we're having in CBDs right now, and that's the office apocalypse. And if you are an office owner, he has a great platform that I really think you need to know about because it could potentially bring a lot more cash flow in for you each month. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. You can find our private group on Facebook by searching Commercial Property Show Community or you can click on the link in the show notes. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. My next guest is the co-founder and CEO of SpaceNow and the managing director of Gunning Commercial. It's Daniel Gunning. How are you, mate? Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm fantastic, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. No worries, mate. So can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Been in commercial real estate for over 15 years, second generation. So my father is a commercial real estate agent and I've followed suit. We have a family office. It's an independent agency. So that business has been trading for over 30 years. We look after all facets of real estate, whether it be industrial, retail, commercial. Through my time in the industry, I then created SpaceNow, which is, again, a prop tech business, is aimed at allowing people to book space more on demand. And also, it's allowing people that have space to get better utilization, or if they've got empty spaces that they need filling, being able to sort of match with people that are not necessarily wanting to enter into a bigger or longer term lease. That was the essence of what we started. But I think while we've been in business, the co-working market has developed and there's just been a lot of other on-demand type spaces developed even through this pandemic. Yeah, that's right, mate. So today we are going to talk about one of the major issues in the commercial world at the moment, and that's the CBD office apocalypse. Yes. So, mate, is this an Australia-wide problem or just a capital city issue? 
No, I've been speaking to friends that live around the world, like US. In larger, I think we've got to put into perspective countries that have that ability. So if they've got a CBD, but they've got some places that you can go and live outside the CBD. So I have some friends that are in New York and there's been a very, very similar situation there. Obviously, they got hit by the pandemic a lot harder. So people then moved outside the city. But now there's been a shift. Now that the people have been willing to adopt remote working or decentralised type working, we, we accept having meetings online. So there's definitely, this is something that's happening around the world, not just here in Australia. So mate, CBD office sector in Australia, how is it faring right now for the listeners that don't keep up to date with what's going on in the markets? Yeah, I think the easy way to say at the moment is probably inconsistent because there's a couple of factors. I mean, you sort of look at some headline figures and you look at people use vacancy rates as a bit of a gauge to see how a market's faring, but that's probably not a true reflection of what, how a CBD is going. It really is about the occupancy rate. It's about the people, just because there's companies that have leases, that doesn't mean there's bodies or people going into the office. And that's what the CBD needs. It needs people in there, people coming in, because obviously, a CBD isn't just made up just as office spaces. You've got all of the other economy or businesses that feed off that. You've got gyms, you've got cafes, restaurants, bars, all types of businesses that have all gone and set up a business to feed off these large clusters of people. So what we're seeing are confidence. So if people are feeling confident, we're seeing people returning more regularly back to the CBDs and coming into the office. With this Victorian situation, you're probably going to see the CBDs be a little bit more quiet and you're probably going to see companies offering people if they want to be a bit more risk adverse or allowing them to work from home. So it's just inconsistent. I think people do miss going back into the office and we do see times when the sun's out. Everyone wants to get back in there because they enjoy what it was like to work in the city, but they're very quick to sort of not turn up again because I think companies still are allowing people to make that choice whether they want to come in or work remotely. My next question was actually around vacancy rates. So it's yeah. we'll go to occupancy rate. Occupancy rates are hard one to track. How do you that actually is. track that? Well, it's almost impossible. So yeah. it's just noticeable. I mean, vacancy rate is there's national bodies that look after and analyze that. So you've got the Property Council of Australia, which collect data and can report on that occupancy rate is nearly impossible. Each individual building have technology that can count the number of people, but really you can see it on the streets. You can go into the train station or around the sort of eatery areas at lunchtime and you get a sense of what the occupancy rate's like. So, I mean, we've definitely seen an increase in the vacancy rate. So Sydney, which has obviously had a quite a low vacancy rate, I think it was sort of early 3%. It increased to sort of fives, and I think it's up around the 8%. You've got Victoria, obviously, similar sort of percentages. And then I think all of the other major cities are all double-digit vacancy rates at the moment. Nationally, I think it's about, across the board, you're probably looking around 11 12%, something around that area, I think, is what the national vacancy rate would be at the moment. And do you think this is a long-term problem for capital cities, for the CBD office markets? Look... I do. I mean, I think there's a few issues. I mean, one, what companies are facing, there's a talent war out there. You know, most private companies, if you want the best talent, that's often why people went and 
took the best office spaces and created this wonderful working environment to not only sort of to create this great environment for people to work and to draw the best talent. Now we're finding that a lot of that talent would prefer if to be given the right or the option to be able to work remotely. And if they're not able to continue to do that, or if that's not agreed that they can do that longer term, then they will go to a job where they can. And that's really been driven through the millennial. So they really want to continue this decentralized manner. So while there's that out there, companies are going to struggle to be able to demand or make people come back to CBDs. So you're going to have businesses that will have to continue to work in this manner as long as their staff want to work like that. So if this is a genuine change and people really want to continue to do this, this could become a longer term problem. So essentially, the office CBD model is changing. Is that what you're alluding to? It is. There's a lot of different models that have been spoken about. Look, I think it's important that there's not a one size fits all. So some industries or some need to have everyone back in the office and all people are back and it's important they come back and the people that work there want to be in an office environment. There's others that don't necessarily need to be in that sort of office environment. Some companies are getting great productivity, others are getting lower productivity. So a lot of those sorts of mechanisms are being looked at by businesses and that's going to dictate what happens and sort of how they work through the essentialized model. So we're seeing companies either reducing their major head office and looking at having smaller offices in closer to home locations. That's called hub and spoke. And then you've got others that are looking to transform the office into more of a collaborative space. So not so much a place where you come in and sit down and desk and where you sit down and work. You're seeing going to be coming in and being more meeting spaces, places where you come in and either interact with other staff members and do team building stuff. Or it's a place where you might come in and have central meetings with clients and with other colleagues. So that's all been looked at. I think a lot of companies are not completely making moves yet. I think they're wanting to see, wait and see. I mean, it could be quite expensive if you go and make a dramatic change. And then at the end of this year or early next, when we're, everyone's vaccinated and everyone's going back and suddenly they miss being in the office and you've gone and spent money converting your office and you can't house the people, that could be a problem. So there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of analysing at the moment. And I think every company's looking at what's going to be best for their specific needs, not just what's across the board sort of solution. It's quite an interesting transition that we're actually at the start of. How do you feel about the suburban office market? That must be doing pretty well. It certainly is. I mean, we've seen suburban office market pick up and They've actually probably done quite well. So where they may have struggled, the CBD was always the desired location and that was always where companies wanted to be or would choose to be. Now we're seeing CBD locations or offices picking up and becoming more desirable. Again, get back to this closer to home. So we're seeing people, when they stopped having to travel into work and come into an office situation, suddenly all these things that we just did and didn't really worry about sitting in traffic or getting on a crowded train and traveling in when people suddenly decide well maybe that's not efficient i'm happier staff they're getting more work done they can get started early if we've either working from home or doing a hybrid in office and work from home or creating locations that they can go to which are closer to home so making it um, obviously 
taking away travel time and getting them in office working quicker? Yeah, I think the suburban office is one of those asset types at the moment that you could still probably get quite a good deal if you're purchasing it because everyone's after industrial right now. Obviously, it's the darling of commercial at the moment, but the suburban office is really somewhere where not a lot of people, it wouldn't be their first choice. Yeah, look, I think when you look at values, it's in comparative to what the prices are for, say, CBD type office space, whether to purchase or to rent, you're still looking at a substantially less amount. And the quality of the space is there. You can get some really nice spaces. They're usually a little bit different layout. They're more campus style. They may not be so much high rise. So yeah, look, there's definite value there. It's probably an area where some people might be still trialing. So yes, I agree that you could pick up some good purchases. So some people might be willing to go in to make that sort of massive step and buy something. They might be trialing it just through a rental model first. Yeah. So mate, have you noticed any institutions that are looking to offload their large office, you know, portfolios? Look, it's an interesting one. I mean, whilst there's probably some headwinds with some of these institutions that have a lot of CBD office property, equally the occupancy rate or the vacancy rate is still at a sustainable level. And obviously debt is quite cheap at the moment. So Mm -hmm. it's allowing a lot of these groups, it's not really putting them into a position that they need to make any immediate choices or offload stock. There's always that natural movement or shifting and trading of stock, but I don't think there's been any sort of great increase like what a lot of people speculated when we first started the pandemic when people were reporting what might happen to the economy not only here but around the world obviously with government stimulus and the way they stimulated businesses that's obviously filtered through to a lot of that's helped businesses to continue to pay some sort of rent and then go back to be able to pay full rent so again there's not been any major changes decisions made by tenants so at this stage all the major institutions are still getting their rent they'd still be looking at their building saying well we may not have high occupancy but our vacancy is still relatively low so we're not seeing that just yet but look if we still can't get our international borders open open and we can't start to get sort of people those international businesses and people coming back in we might start to see some changes in the future if we can't sort of get back to the way we were previously. So mate, let's talk space now. How did that come about? Well, look, it really came about and I think this pandemic's a bit of an example. Probably things coming in and changing and influencing. One day you're working and you'll set your business model and the way that you operate your business because of the current climate or working at the economy, the way it's going at the time. And then suddenly there'll be a big change, whether it be a GFC or some sort of debt or there's been major changes happen. So really where it all came from was we've always managed properties and we've had people and tenants in the building and you just see them either growing or contracting. So there's always the tail that people have with the space. Yeah, that people outgrow it and then they've got like an office that they don't know what to do with or they've contracted, whether they've had change in business or as I said, there's been a change in economic climate. And they sort of don't want to move, but they've got extra space. And traditional real estate agents weren't really interested in looking after it because it wasn't a typical lease. So we just saw a big gap. There was a lot of space there. I met a lot to businesses. So we wanted to be able to help businesses continue to pay their rent, which was always going to be good for owners. 
So came up with this platform where it was more about that sort of smaller deal and short-term leasing and started more in the office and we've expanded across into pop-up retail. We do event spaces, we do location shoots, we're doing hotel rooms. We've really sort of adapted into a lot of different spaces and certainly through the pandemic, we've sort of enabled a lot of new businesses to start. So we started up Ghost Kitchen, which is basically people that just want to sell food online. So they go and rent a kitchen and they're not a shop front and being able to sort of sell into that online, which when we're all locked down, there was a big growth in that. So that's sort of really where we sort of started, but we've just grown and just gone and adapted into new sorts of spaces as the world sort of changed. Yeah, I really like this model, mate. I mean, especially because I've got a little bit of a side business on myself. It just makes sense that for startup businesses, you just want to like book a space or rent a space for a short period of time just to test the water and see how you go. And then you can eventually move into that longer term lease if you want, or you could continue to keep on doing the short term rentals. Absolutely. I mean, as you just put it, one of the biggest killers for a great business idea is the amount of startup capital that some people might have to stump up and some people are defeated before they even start. You've got to go out and Traditionally, if you were a new business or a new idea and you wanted to go and try and rent a space, an owner would be concerned that you don't have a track record or the business might be new and there's nothing to compare it to. And they'd be doubtful and I want you to pay a big bond. You've got to fit the space out. So you've all the risk and the money that you might need or to be able to put into to launch your idea often goes into the space. Now with what we're doing, people are willing to share. I mean, The share economies are quite mature now. We sort of take for granted the things like Airbnb, but that's people sharing their house, sharing their rooms. If I'd pitched that idea to you before it came around, you would have said, it's crazy. I'd never rent my bedroom to anybody. Why would I let anybody there? (laughs) And then we're jumping the back of people's cars with Uber, which again, who would have thought until that came along? So now with businesses, if you're a food entrepreneur or you've got a retail or even if you're a business person, You can come in and set up cheaply, get going, get your business going before you go and take that step into your own space. Or as you said, you can just continue to work on this as you need it model. And for me, I just see so many businesses weighed down with leases in spaces that they can't afford or it ties them down with not giving them capital that they should be putting into the business and to get it going. So we did aim it at startup, but it's actually the large enterprise. It's international businesses are really embracing it as well. So it's really a top to bottom thing now. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be back after this short break. At Developer Life, we get it. You own a commercial property and want to add value to it, but you're not sure how or you just don't have time. Well, it has now never been easier for the novice investor to get professional results with our strategic value add strategy plan. We identify exactly how to add value to your property and deliver a step-by-step strategy plan to our clients. And if you're a passive investor looking for a total hands-off approach, we can even manage it for you with our project management service. So contact us today at www.developalife.com.au to secure your free 30-minute consultation today. That's www.developalife.com.au 
We want to help you maximize the value of your commercial property. Yeah, I'm even like thinking about it for like future ventures that I'm looking at doing as well. It's like you can do most of the work from home, but when I want to meet a client, you can book a space and have a nice meeting place for a client. I'm not sure how exactly how it works, but you could potentially have some kind of signage that is removable that you could also put in a space, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great idea, actually. Maybe we'll have to adopt that. (laughs) But what you just said there, I mean, just because you're an independent business person or you're a one-man band and you want to go out and pitch a great job or you're meeting people, you shouldn't be judged on the office space that you have or the address that you have. You should be able to rent that great boardroom or go into a great space, have the AV that you want to be able to do a great presentation. I mean, there's no reason why a startup business should not be able to deliver that impactful pitch to somebody in a great space as opposed to you sitting in a coffee shop and doing it over your laptop because you don't have a space to be able to do that from. So again, that was a lot of about what we wanted, wanted to level the playing field. We've got a anywhere as possible sort of attitude and that's what is our logo. We should be able to work from anywhere. You should be able to access anywhere. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we want to achieve. And Yeah, we're sort of slowly chipping away and people are embracing the idea and it's sort of really catching on. No worries, mate. I'll look out for the royalty check in the mail for that idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, mate, turning it over to the owner of the office space side, can you command a higher rate per square meter by putting it onto your platform? Kind of like an Airbnb, I guess, where you can get a higher overnight stay price than you can if you do a long-term rental. Absolutely. I think it doesn't matter what you do, any time that you want convenience or you don't want to commit for anything long term, there's always a price. So yes, our model is if somebody wants to take something short term, they don't want to be tied up into a long term contract. In order to achieve that, you pay a higher price. And most people are happy to pay that because they're like, well, I'm going to pay for it. I'm only paying for what I need. And then I'm not sort of stuck with a space that I've only needed for a certain period of time and I don't know what to do with. So absolutely, that's exactly the model. That's what happens. And people that rent it something for short term, they don't see it as a higher price because it's only a higher price if you think, well, if you compare it to a long term lease. But again, that can actually be way more expensive if you're taking something for longer than you need. You're paying for you're just wasting money for renting a space longer than you you have to. So that sort of higher price for a shorter or more convenient agreement is what people are very happy to do. And that's what the model's about. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised. I had a look the other night uh, on the platform for different spaces Mm. and some of them were like as low as $250 a month. Yep. That's nothing compared to having some kind of smart, well-organized meeting room that you could actually Mm. conduct your business. I think it's great, mate. Yeah. Look, again, If you're an existing business and you're renting out your boardroom and you can earn an extra $250 a week, that comes straight off your rent. That's a sale. That's a saving. That can go to a whole lot of things. That money could go into, you know, it could be the kitty for your, the staff, Christmas parties or all sorts of things. So for us, we always try, everyone's out there trying to sort of make more, but sometimes it's what can we do to actually reduce our fixed costs? And that's the same as actually generating more sales sometimes do have a vacant office and they want to lease it via space now, what's the process? Yeah, look, you just go onto our homepage. There's a list out, list your space bar. You press on that. 
it's a 10 step question. You fill it out and then we actually get in contact with you and one of our host success managers will contact you and assist with the listing process. We've done that because it's something that we had to adopt through the pandemic because there's been so many rules and regulations. So we just like to get on, make sure we have the correct information and people are able to get their space up. We also like to vet the space, make sure it's obviously that the people that are putting it up are legitimate and there's nothing fraudulent going on. We also like to make sure that they're presenting the space as best as possible. So yeah, look, it's a fair, it's a very, very easy process. We're very hands-on with it. We've got live chats, yeah, but generally we'll reach out and get in contact with the people once they sort of get in contact with us through our homepage. And is there a process for cleaning afterwards for people? Yeah, look, we did a deal with a company called Wiz. We do have that. It's something that we thought we brought in again through the pandemic when hygiene became a very, very something that everybody was wanting so we do have that cleaning alliance with the company so yes you can book that or we can arrange that as well and what do the numbers look like mate what kind of percentage does space now take for just the lease and then is that part of the cleaning yeah look we take 10 percent. so however long the people book for or the total amount that they book the space for it's a 10 percent booking fee and that's just the same across all categories And can you have things like a reoccurring period of where you can actually take that space, like every Wednesday I need it or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we can, again, one of our account managers, if you find a space, we might get in. If you say, hey, we want to set something up or you can do it through our tech as well. Awesome, mate. And do you think that the long-term office lease will die in future or do you think there'll always be some aspects of a long-term lease? Look, there's some companies that will always want to and need that long term. They know that they're going to have an office and they, they'll always be willing to take the leases. There's, there's long term leases being done now. So I think that'll always be there. But I think we're going to see buildings and building owners are going to have to sort of adapt and have some long term leases in building, then have sections of the building and be willing to take on shorter term leases. But for those, they're obviously being paid a higher rent. So we are seeing major building owners or putting a level of some floors of flex within their buildings in order to sort of enable those longer term leases to be able to sort of grow and up and down due to any market demands that they have. So look, I think we're going to see a combination of both. So we won't see the long term lease die, but we're going to see people probably wanting to adopt more of a flexible model. Yeah, fair enough. And it's just popped into my head. What about things like the infrastructure, the Wi-Fi, the chairs, the tables? Does SpaceNow help in getting that material? Yeah, look, again, we're developing partnerships. We're just working on something with Valiant. So, again, if somebody doesn't have all that, yes, we can. We're developing partnerships. It's not really been something that we've had to do. But, again, it's something that we are aware of. And, and if people need help, we have relationships and partnerships with all the different facets of what you need to set up to be able to rent out your space flexibly yeah because i could imagine like if you've got a big space and you want to put it into kind of a group kind of work environment you're going to need a lot of infrastructure to get that done there could be also an opportunity there for some kind of rental agreement for that though that equipment yeah look definitely there are things there but i mean everyone with our phones we've all got access to internet there's a lot of mobile internet services that you can take so we're very lucky in this country we're fortunate we've got 5g we've got a great internet service great phone service 
this allows us to be able to do a lot of things. But yeah, look, I mean, if somebody wants to make that choice and go and set up a space to be able to have a shared environment, yes, there's some costs that need to go in there. You can rent office furniture. You can rent anything, really. Everything's sort of able to be done on demand. So it's not that difficult. There's probably a little bit of space planning. There is going to be some investment required, but it's not as high as what probably people would think. Perfect, mate. Well, it's been great chatting to you. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and your companies? Just check us out on spacenow.com. We've also got YouTube channels and through all of those, we've got blogs. So you can see commentary we've got on all the different markets. Obviously, through our homepage, you can see all the different spaces and categories we cover. You can get in touch with us on our live chat. We've got lead forms. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on every channel. So any form that people feel comfortable, they, we've got a phone. If you go on our homepage, we've also got our office number if, if people want to pick up the phone. So we're really out there. We're happy to communicate and get in touch in any form that people like and really willing to help, you know, happy to discuss with people if they're thinking about renting out some space and if they've got any concerns, they should just get in touch with us through one of those, the phone or a chat or the homepage, and we'll get in touch with them and chat through all the things they might need to do and make them feel comfortable. It's really like Airbnb. There's another income stream here where people can look at and start to say, well, I've got this space. I use it for my work. When I'm not using it, who else could use it? And you can earn extra income that you probably didn't plan for, which is, that's always great. Awesome, mate. My guest today has been Daniel Gunning. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, Andrew. Have a great day. All right, all right. That brings us to our newest segment to the show. And that segment is called... Ripper Ripper Resource. In this segment, I'm going to share some resources that I have personally used, read, or listened to that have made a big difference in my life, and I think they deserve to be shared. So this week's Ripper Resource is... Cashflow the Board Game Investing 101 by Robert Kiyosaki. Now, if you're a Robert Kiyosaki uh, fan, rich dad, poor dad, you'll totally understand what this game is about. It's basically about accounting, but it makes it fun. And it's one of those games that you can play with your partner, you can play with friends. They've even got cash flow clubs around in Australia and, and worldwide. It's quite a good game just to help you understanding your income statement and how to get out of the rat race. And it does actually make it fun. So the game's actually a little bit expensive. It's like it retails from around like $70 to $80 or something, but it's totally worth it. They even have a cash flow board game for kids. If you wanted to try and start teaching your kids about better ways to use money and accounting and things like that. So it's this week's Ripper Resource Cash Flow the Board Game Investing 101 by Robert Kiyosaki. All right, it is now time to crown this week's winner of the 50% off value add strategy plan. And this week's winner is RC33YY. Now, all you have to do is get in contact with me to collect your prize. If you would like to go in the draw to win 50% off a strategic value add strategy plan for your commercial property, all you have to do is go onto Apple Podcasts, 
give the podcast a five-star rating and leave a review with your name and you will automatically be in the draw for next episode. Thank you, Daniel Gunning, for your time, mate, and Kevin McLeod for the music. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, success is your duty, obligation, and responsibility. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.